Genesis 1, the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, Let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it, according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them. And said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. The livestock, the creatures that move along the ground and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, 
and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Amen. And may God bless to our hearts understanding this reading from his word. And to his name be all honour and glory and praise. Amen. Now if you do have your Bible with you this morning, please do turn back to Genesis chapter 1. Not difficult to find. Uh, It's right at the beginning um, of uh, the Bible. Now, Anna and myself have been here in West Kilbride for 14 and a half years, and uh, I've been preaching since 1998. Can you believe it? I don't look that old, do I? And uh, I have never preached on Genesis chapter 1, to my shame. Uh, But that's what we're going to be doing for for a short time this morning. We are going to celebrate communion, so we're not going to be terribly long um, today. Uh, But it's a, a really important part of the Bible. The beginning of any book is really important, isn't it? Because it sets uh, the scene. Now, of course, when we we start any book, we begin, don't we, at the beginning. We begin at the beginning, unless you're one of those sneaky people who begins by having a peek at the end. Some of you here today, I know, like reading kind of crime thrillers or other things, and sometimes you think, you know, just want to make sure it works out okay, so I'll just go to the end. And then we'll start at the beginning. But for most of us, we start, don't we, at the beginning. And the word Genesis literally means origin. And in the book of Genesis, what we have is an introduction. And it's an introduction to the Pentateuch. So the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But it's also an introduction to the whole of the Old Testament, and it's also an introduction to the Bible as a whole. And so Genesis is actually really, really important. Now what is important for us also to realize is that in many ways, Genesis chapter 1 through to Genesis chapter 11 should really be read in light 
of Genesis 12 through to 50. Now, that seems a bit upside down, and I've just said, you know, please start at the beginning and don't, you know, have a sneaky peek at the, at the end. But so, so what do I mean by that? Well, if you know your Bible and you know the book of Genesis, you know that Genesis chapter 12 begins the story of Abraham. Begins the story of Abraham. And remember that the Lord makes promises to Abraham. Promises to give him offspring, as many as the stars in the sky and the sea and the sand on the uh, seashore. That was hard to say on a Sunday morning. And he also makes promises to Abraham uh, that he will give him uh, a land. That these descendants will have a land. He will give them a promised uh, land. And so Genesis chapter 12 begins the story of Abraham. And it's really about the origin of the people of Israel. That's what Genesis 12 onwards is about. But Genesis chapter 1 to 11 really gives some of the backstory, And it's sometimes referred to as, as kind of prehistory. Because it's basically saying, look, in Genesis 12 we have, we have Abraham, we have the Lord speaking to Abraham, we have the Lord promising to Abraham, I'm going to give you a land, I'm going to give you descendants, and but the question is, well, who is this God that's speaking to Abraham? What has he, he done? How, how did we reach the, the situation where we are in Genesis chapter 12? And so chapters 1 to 11 are really like the background. They're giving you the context. Prehistory. Background as to what happens later in Genesis and indeed the rest of the Bible. Now today we're going to be thinking about Genesis chapter 1, the very start of the Bible, which is all about creation. Now as we look at Genesis chapter 1, it's important for us to address certain issues and to acknowledge certain things. Now the first thing for us to acknowledge this morning is to acknowledge that the Bible and the book of Genesis isn't a science book, and it isn't intended to be. Sometimes we can get into a complete muddle because we read something like Genesis chapter 1, which was not written in 2022, but we read it as though it was. And so, for example, a lot of ink has been spilled over and a lot of people get really caught up. You know, did God create everything in, in, in six days, six 24-hour periods? Did God do that? Whereas if you know your Hebrew, the word day, as you find it in the Bible, can be translated as a 24-hour period. Or it can be more loose in terms of a larger period of time. So, I'll give you an example. How long was Jesus in the grave? Commonly, we think it's three days. That's what we're told, isn't it? Three days. Now, have a think about it. When was he put in the tomb? Friday evening before the Sabbath started? When was he raised again? Sunday morning. Now, that's not three 24-hour... That's not 72 hours, is it? Is it? Your maths obviously is as terrible as mine, okay? It's not 72 hours. And yet, three days is what we're told. Jesus was in the grave. 
And so the idea of time is maybe a bit more loose than we might actually think it is sometimes when we look in the, uh, in the Bible. And remember what it says also that to God, a day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like a, a day. So to be militant about God creating everything in a literal six days as 24-hour periods and then resting on the seventh, it probably isn't really that helpful. Now, don't misunderstand me this morning. Because God could do it in 24 hours each day. I have no doubt in my mind that is the kind of God that we have. But I wouldn't live or die over whether it's 24-hour periods. And I don't think the Bible justifies that. Now, the same also applies here in terms of the question of how God created everything. Yes, God created everything at a word, but how these things happened, we don't really know, do we? So what I'm trying to say this morning is, is the Bible is not a science manual. Rather, it's a theological book. And his overarching message is to tell us something about God. That's what the Bible tells us. It tells us about God. That's what its concern is about. And so Genesis chapter 1 all the way through to chapter 11 are telling us something about God so that when we get to Genesis 12 and the Lord speaks to Abraham, we have some idea. Who is this God? Ah, he's the creator God. He's the one who set everything in their place. And now he's the one who's speaking to this man, Abraham. And he's setting aside a nation for himself. So Genesis chapter 1, Genesis itself, is not a science manual. Now the second thing for us to remember here is that for its time, there was something remarkable about Genesis chapter 1. And I think as readers of this book in this chapter in 2022, this is something we will miss. The remarkable thing about Genesis chapter 1 is that compared to other creation stories of around that time, Babylonian myths and Mesopotamian myths and all these different things, All those other creation stories, they focus upon multiple gods who are often weak. They're not omnipotent, certainly not. And when in those kind of creation myths, what we see is is humans are created by these gods, but they're almost kind of like, we don't really want to create humans, and either they're being created to be be food for the gods or, or some other bizarre kind of thing. It's as though humans are created by accident. But what's remarkable about the biblical account, and let's not miss this, is that it concerns one God over all who is is powerful. Powerful. Who creates everything with just a, a word. And it comes into being. It's wonderful. And humans created not as an accident, but as the pinnacle of creation. 
made in God's image, and we'll come back to that uh, later on. So with those kind of two things this morning, the Bible is not a science manual. It's a theological book. And the second thing, look at the God who is, who is being shown to you here in Genesis chapter 1. Marvel at the character of God that you see here. The power of God. With those two things, let's have a look at chapter 1 just briefly this morning. Now, at the beginning of the, the Bible, in the beginning of this chapter, chapter 1, we have the most important point. What's the most important point? In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. That's the most... If you take nothing else from today, let's remember this. In the beginning, God. The important point being made here is that God was there at the beginning. That God was the one who created all things. And that this whole book... And indeed, the whole Old Testament, the whole Bible, is a story about this God. Sometimes we make a mistake, don't we, in our lives. Especially when we're reading the Bible and we think, Oh, what is God going to say to me today? Sometimes we come with those kind of thoughts. And to some extent, you know, it's good that we we expect God to speak in that way. But this book, this Bible... It's really first and foremost about God. It tells you God's story about what He's like. God was there at the beginning. God is the one who's created all things. And from nothing, God created everything that is. You see, science can describe what there is. It can have a go at trying to decipher how it all happened. Big bang theories and all that. But what science cannot explain is why. Why did it happen? But the Bible's unequivocal. Because the Bible said it's God who created in the beginning. God. We start with God. And then everything comes into being. It's God with whom we have to do. This is God who is there before creation. The God who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You see, if you don't start at that place, then how are you going to end up? That's the question, isn't it? If you don't really believe that God is there, that God created all things, then where are you going to end up? If you really don't believe that God is omnipotent, that God is powerful, then why should you bother with that God? But if you do believe God is powerful, if you do believe God has created all things, well, we need to do something about it, don't we? God creates the heavens and the earth. And it's created with the Spirit of God hovering over the waters. There's been many a sermon or many a mislip where people think the Spirit of God is hovering over the waters. But hovering over the waters. Today is Pentecost Sunday. 
When we think of the birth of the church, when, when the Holy Spirit came down upon the disciples and empowered them in, in speaking in different languages. But here is the Spirit, active in creation, hovering over the waters. And I think what's important to, to recognize here is, is, is one God. But what's hinted at here, just even in Genesis chapter 1, is, is the Trinity. The Father, the Spirit, the Son. We know later on through wisdom, creation comes into being. So the Spirit hovers over the water. Now we don't have too much time today to go into the detail of what happens with each day of creation. But I hope you noticed when we went through it uh, that there is a pattern. You notice the pattern when uh, we go through creation and it's all in pairs. So we see that light is created on the first day and separated from darkness. And this parallels with the sun, moon, and stars being created on the fourth day. Now, now just incidentally here, if we're really you know, holding on to 24-hour periods, well, hold on, the sun and the moon weren't even created till day four. So how does that work? Light, first day. Sun, moon, and stars on day four. Water and sky is created on day two. Then water creatures and birds on day five. Land and vegetation on day three. Living creatures on day six. And of course, the creation of mankind on day six is the pinnacle of creation. Because we are made in the likeness of God. That's a wonderful thing, isn't it? We're made in the likeness of God. And we still hold that, don't we, within us? What does it say in the Bible? That eternity is placed in each one of our hearts. We know that we're not like the cows or the sheep or the birds. There's something different about us. We're not just mammals, are we? Something different, something deeper. We are made in the likeness of God. And note that God says, in our image, which again points towards the Trinity in the Godhead. Male and female, created in the image of God. That is the image that we bear. And we are called to be fruitful, to rule over the fish and the birds and the creatures. We have dominion over these things as, as under-shepherds also responsibility as stewards, don't we? Why should we care about, about creation? Why should we bother about environmental issues? Well, surely it's because God has created us in His image. And we're called to look after His creation. So I want you to see this morning, God creates all things. He declares that it is good that's really important, especially when we get to chapters 2 and 3. Everything's good. It starts off well. And at the end of the sixth day, the pinnacle of creation, God declares everything as very good. It's wonderful. Now, as you think about this this morning, the question for each one of us is, well, what do you, what do you think? 
What do you think? The scientist Brian Cox, he's probably the best known scientist, popular scientist uh, around these days, said this back in 2016. And notice what he says here is a faith statement. It's not a scientific statement. He says this, You are just chemistry. The restless planet is your creator. Do you believe that this morning? See, it actually takes a lot of faith to believe that. To say everything's just an accident. You know, at a point of time, you know, a lightning bolt hit a puddle. Where they came from, I've got no idea. And everything suddenly came into being. That there was a big bang. Now, I don't know about you, but if I set a bomb off in my bedroom, it's not going to suddenly create order, is it? It's mind-blowing. How can can that be? I'm not necessarily saying I understand how things came into being. But what I am saying to you this morning is what would you rather believe? That everything's just an accident. And if you're going down that direction, you're saying, well, if there's no God and everything's just an accident, then there's no meaning to life. There's no morality. I can just live out my life the way I want to live it out. And when I die, there's, there's nothing. Is that it? Is that not without hope? Surely there's more to life than that. Surely. And saying this, you're just saying everything's an accident. There's no ultimate purpose. There is no God. It doesn't help us understand pain or suffering or love or joy. Or why I have a a sense of morality. A sense of guilt. Why do I have guilt inside? If there is no God, why should I feel guilty at all? Why should I have the sense deep in my heart that maybe this life is not the end? And so I say to you this morning, what about you? Are we just a bunch of chemicals? Or do we truly believe in the beginning God? In the beginning God. That's a picture over West Kilbride. Took that a few months ago. Maybe it was last year in fact. I came home from Keswick Ayrshire last night. It was a wee bit late. But you could just see we've had some beautiful sunsets the last few days. Does it not make you think deep inside? That's not an accident. That's God as a painter. It's wonderful. I know what I'd rather believe this morning. That in the beginning, God. What about you? Do you believe in this God? Do you trust in Him? Because if you do, if you start at this point, saying in the beginning, God, then follow that through. Follow through to its conclusion and understand that maybe you have to do something about it. Because if this is truly God and He's created everything that's good and you look around your world now and you think, goodness, everything's not good now. Our world is a bit messed up. 
And maybe you understand that things went wrong. But God has done something wonderful. Because even though God created everything in the beginning and everything went wrong, God sent someone into the world to save the world so that when we believe and trust in him, we might have life eternal forever. What do you believe this morning? Just chemicals? Or in the beginning, God? Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there is so much that is profound in this chapter this morning, and in many ways we have just skated over uh, the top of it. We've not even scratched the surface. But Father, if the only thing that we take away from this today is to say in the beginning, God, that you were there, Lord God, that you are powerful, and at a word you created all things. If that's the only thing that we take away today, we pray that we might understand in our hearts and in our minds that if it is true that you have created all things, if it's true that you've made us in your image, then, Lord God, we need to do something about our relationship with you. We recognize, Heavenly Father, that our world is very dark and very broken because we know, if we know our Bibles, it's sin came into the world. But we thank you, Lord God, that you did not give up on your creation. But you sent your Son into the world so that we might be a new creation and that we might have life and hope. And we look forward to that day, Lord God, when you will bring us home to be with yourself in glory. And we will understand again that things are very good. So, Heavenly Father, speak to us through your word this day we pray. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen.